We just want to spend the next couple weeks talking on the subject, the pathway to peace of mind. How many could use a little bit more peace of mind? The world seems to be after it, doesn't it? It's after your peace of mind. <laughs> Today's message, we're going to talk about prayer and giving thanks. Prayer and giving thanks. It's going to come right out of Philippians 4. I'll be there in just a moment. But let's get some things straight real quick in our minds, and just so we, we know where the battle lines are drawn, so we know what's ours in Christ. Listen, it's not God's will for you to live in chaos, confusion, worry, anxiety, and fear. That's not God's will. You agree with me on that? God is not the author of confusion. There is one who is, but it's not God. It's God's will for you to live in hope, in peace, and in joy. That's God's will for you. That, he wants that to be your state of mind, you to be in a hopeful state of mind. See, fear is the expectation of something bad happening. Hope is the expectation of something good happening. Which one does God want for you? He wants us to live in hope. Now abide these three, right? Faith, hope, and love. It's God's will for you to live in hope, peace, and joy. Peace and joy are literally the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. Heaven is full of peace. Heaven is full of joy. The writer in Romans 14, 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God is peace and joy. So I believe as, and the, the kingdom is within us, so as God's people, our atmosphere ought to be peace and joy. Everybody carries an atmosphere, don't you? You know how it is. Some people, you're glad to see them come, and some people, you're glad to see them take their atmosphere and go, right? Anybody like that? I mean, we don't go to church with them, but we do maybe have other issues and, and uh, interactions with those kind of folks, right? <laughs> but the, the atmosphere or the presence of, of the people of God should be peace and joy. We ought to be people that live in peace. We ought to be people who are peacemakers, who give away peace. We ought to be people who are full of joy. Hey, joy is the fact, the, the, the root of our joy is the fact that God's got everything covered. He's on his throne. And our joy is rooted in his, his sovereignty. So which is God's will for you again? Anxiety or peace? Which one do you want? <laughs> we want peace, don't we? We want peace. So we're getting some things straight. Now, foundations of our personal faith and peace are, are this as, as such. God is good. That, that's a foundation of our peace, that God is good. And he's going to be gracious towards us. And Jesus is the proof of his goodness. In fact, that's what Jesus came to tell us, the goodness of this father who, who people have distorted his image. They've distorted his likeness. Uh, we, we've lost it totally in sin sometimes. Jesus came to show us and to tell us that the God who is over the heavens is good. He's good. And I want to show you how good he is. So Jesus encounters people in situations and crises and, and problems and difficulties, and, and he helps them. He strengthens them. He brings healing to their lives. He brings peace. He brings wisdom to their decisions. God is good is the foundation of our faith. Amen. We can't state it enough. God is love. God is love. God just doesn't love. God actually is love. It's, it's his character. It's his makeup. That, that's his go-to. He, he exudes love because he is love. And to make this a personal part of our faith is not that just God is love in the whole scheme of everything. It's that God loves me. I mean, oh, crazy me, oh, messed up, jacked up, twisted up me. You know what I'm talking about? That God loves me. God loves me personally. It's not just that he is loved, that he loves, he loves Ron. You know, he loves Don. He loves Pat. He, he loves me. And that becomes a personal issue for me 
in the idea of faith. And those are foundations. Those are things we've got to get straight because there's somebody that's after our peace. There's somebody that's after our joy. Anxiety is what we're kind of talking about, the idea of getting rid of it, actually. Anxiety has an assignment. You know that? It has an assignment. It's, and it's, it's more than an emotion. Anxiety is more than a feeling. If you've ever uh, dealt with anxiety issues and things of that nature, which, which I have from time to time, you wouldn't think I'd do with my outgoing personality and all that kind of stuff, but sometimes uh, some stuff just gets on my nerves. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and it starts to pile on, and especially when you got a mind like, like mine that's always trying to figure things out and always trying to um, help or get something done, or, or, you know, it can turn from that to control freak to anxiety. Y'all know the progress? Y'all know the progression? <laughs> anybody? Or am I talking to anybody? You good? I understand. And stop, no throwing elbows, no pointing, nothing like that, all right? That will get you hurt in this type of, <laughs> type of deal. So anxiety is, is literally a, a scheme of the adversary. It's a strategic scheme of the enemy to keep you and I from fulfilling the purpose of God that he has over our lives. Anxiety is a strategic scheme. It's a diabolical strategy. It's, it's a distraction. It's like an invading species. I think about us in the South, it's like kudzu, you know. It just takes over everything if you leave it in the yard too long. I mean, it'll run over the Volkswagen and the tractor and the kids and the dog if they stand still long enough, right? Kudzu will get it. Well, that's why, that's why anxiety is. Anxiety comes and it continues to grow until it starts taking over your mind and, and it'll start taking over your decisions and how you interact with other people or maybe even not interact and withdraw with other people. It literally is sent, like Jesus said, remember that parable in Matthew 13 where he talked about the different kinds of hearts or the different kinds of soul? Remember that idea? Where he talked about the cares of this life. That's the idea of anxieties. The cares of this life will come and they literally will choke out the fruitfulness of the Word of God in our lives. So it's a, it's a really important thing that we learn to deal with our anxiety because it will come. The issue is not that. The issue is it can't stay. We've got to learn to deal with it. And in Philippians 4, 6-7, he teaches us some ideas about a pathway to where we can work towards peace. All right, It's going to be real plain, real simple, real straight to the point, but it literally can change your life if you begin to walk this path Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. All right, let's, let's read this together. Can we do that, verse 6 and 7? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's a great passage, and that's one of my favorite passages in Philippians. In fact, Philippians has got a lot of them. Lord, help us. Help us. So the first order of business is to be anxious for nothing. So what does nothing include? Nothing includes everything. So say it with me. Nothing includes everything. So that's the kids, right? Because a lot of my anxieties have names. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Moms and dads, you understand what I'm talking about. The money. The money becomes an issue. Is that, is that under that be anxious for nothing, don't worry about the money and the finances? What about the job and, and the relationships in my life? Or, or maybe it's my past. If it's under the blood, you don't have to be anxious for that anymore. What about the present? Yeah, we've we, we got to put that in there too. Anxious for nothing. What about the future? That becomes a big issue for us is worrying about what's ahead or what's going to happen. So, we, I mean, we, we can be just basket cases. We worry about what happened. We worry about what might happen. And then we worry about what really might happen way over here. And it can be a strategy against our lives. 
But the word says right here to be anxious for nothing. And nothing includes everything. I mean, you, you mean to tell me that God is telling me to be anxious for nothing? wonder why. Now, he's not saying be aloof to life. Or he's not even saying be passive. In fact, this scripture is not passive at all. This, this, this two little verses here, they actually give us an active, aggressive strategy. And it's not passive at all. So it's not just case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. We'll just let life just kind of come and whatever works out is meant to be. That's not it at all. The scripture teaches us that there is an aggressive point of our life and our relationship with God that we don't just let life happen. We grab it by the horns and we take it. Maybe even the horns of the altar, the old saints would say. We, we have an aggressive strategy on how to deal with the difficulties and the problems and the cares that concern our hearts. So God is giving us the proper action on how to handle our anxieties. So don't be careless, but Jesus would say, bring me your cares. Bring them to me. All right. So the idea of worry, in fact, in, in the word actually comes from a word that means to choke, to choke or to strangle or to harass. In fact, that's what worry does, doesn't it? Worry literally torments you. It, and the fear that it brings, brings torment to the heart. And it literally comes and it chokes out the vitality of your strength, of your mind. It, it chokes out your vibrancy. It chokes out every bit of life. Whenever you worry, it just seems like it just drains you, doesn't it? You ever been like that? <laughs> worry gives entrance to doubt. It gives entrance to fear. And then the worry that we can continue in, it fertilizes and waters that doubt and fear. And then a crop grows up and it begins to take over our days, our evenings, our sleep, our wisdom. Because the fear torments the mind. It blinds you to the hope or the good that you think might happen. It blinds you to faith. And worry will eventually blind you to rational solutions. I mean, it's obvious if they didn't answer their phone in the last 10 minutes, it's obvious that they're in a car wreck in the ditch somewhere. Isn't that obvious? And isn't it what worry tells you? I mean, and I come from a long line of worriers. How about y'all? I mean, my grandma had a PhD in worry, and I can promise you that. She would worry about us, and that's the day before cell phones. That was the day when you sent up smoke signals to try to find everybody. <laughs> There were no cell phones. Good Lord, if, if, if there were cell phones when my grandmother was alive and I was a teenager, she would have blew it up all day. Are you okay? Are you? But I come from a long line of warriors. And, and see, I picked up on a lot of that. My mom, my dad, my grandmother, both my grandmothers, they just, what we call worry warts. You ever heard that worry wart term? Just worry, worry. So I, I picked up, well, obviously if you have a problem, the best way to solve it is just to worry about it. <laughs> I, I kind of picked that up. So I've had to kind of reprogram my mind and get in here and say, okay, Lord, you said not to worry. I'm worrying a lot. Help me get to this not worry so much. All right. All right. Be anxious for nothing. That's something we do. We, 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 we have to learn to cool our jets and be anxious for nothing. And nothing includes everything. All right. Now, the second point of advice he gives us, the second point of wisdom he gives us, is to pray about everything. Pray about everything. This is the major way where we begin to make ourselves aware of God and his work in our life. Prayer is one of the avenues that God gives us to become more aware of God and his world active in our, in our world, in my world. 
And praise this, this, this real mysterious, powerful thing. I, 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 don't, I don't have all the answers. Jesus gave us a lot of insight about prayer and shows us about prayer. We've been teaching on it on Wednesday nights. Prayer is one of the ways that God uses to distribute to you and I His wisdom. To distribute to you and I His peace. To distribute to you and I His power. Prayer is one of those avenues where God has made it available for you and I that we can unplug from the craziness of our own mind and plug into His mind. I'd recommend you avail yourself of it. Prayer is something like that. I mean, it's, it's much more than just that. But prayer is God's way to say, I want to give you a way to get in on what I got. In other words, on earth as it is in heaven, I want to give you a way to where you can make your place like my place, that God would say. And the apostle here says to pray about everything. He says it like this, in everything by prayer and supplication. He said, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer and supplication. Anybody been supplicating lately? Anybody know what that means? <laughs> what does it mean to supplicate? That's not a word that we use. That's an old archaic word. Supplication is a type of prayer in the Bible that it talks about. Supplication is simply this. It's being serious and specific about your prayers. To be serious and specific. So let's say it like this. In everything by prayer, be serious and specific about it. Your request. Let it be made known to God. Well, what if my request is not quite right? Well, he'll work it out. Your job is to get it off your heart. To get it into his ear. And then to get him speaking into your ear. That's what supplication does. It's when you get serious about what's got serious in your life. I think we ought to supplicate a little bit more, huh? We could stand to be a little bit more serious about it. And it doesn't mean that you have to work into a fervency of a sweat or something like that about it. It just means you take what's bothering you and say, God, this is bothering me. That's pretty simple, really. I think we overcomplicate the whole thing more than anything. He says, in everything, I want you to be serious and specific about talking to me about it. See, there's something about God that for the most part, more than, all, more than not, God is, is waiting on you to invite him in. Some of you parents know what it's like to be parents of grown children. You know, you, you want to tell them stuff and you want to help them and you want to give them this or you want to give them this advice or direct them in this. this but do you? <laughs> do you dare? Now, sometimes we, we, we step over our bounds and we can really fracture the relationship. But when you're the parent of a grown child... You're, you wait on them to ask you what you think. And then you speak for the next 30 minutes, right? <laughs> but that's, that's really the way it is, or, or at least in a healthy type relationship, is that you, you have to withhold your speaking until you're invited into the conversation. I remember having some real hard conversations early on in my life about mama, just, just chill out. And it really began to put a fracture in our relationship because she was overstepping our bounds. So God is a little bit like that. Now, it may be a poor analogy if we pressed it too far, but, but God's a little bit like that. He waits to be invited into your situation. He waits on you. I mean, I think James would tell us like this. He would say, draw near to God and you'll find that he'll draw near to you. Now, if I'm to draw near to God and then he'll draw near to me, it really seems like the next move is mine. 
You know why the next move's mine is because he's done everything that's possible to make himself ready and available and revealed his wisdom and his kindness and his gratitude, I mean, his graciousness to you and his mercy. And he says, I want you to come. He's already made the invitation. So now the next move becomes ours. It's where we draw close to God and we'll find that he's right there. He's right there. So pray about everything. Be serious and specific about your needs. God's interested in your thoughts and desires, even if they're not quite correct yet. I found that none of us have pure theology. Anybody? <laughs> not even the best of preachers have pure theology. We've all got it skewed somewhere. We, Paul would say it like this. We all look through a glass darkly when it concerns God and, and how he works and how he interacts in our lives. We all look through this dark glass. It's like, it's like looking through a bad pair of glasses. We can see a little bit, but we can't quite see everything. So, so we, we don't know. We don't have it all right, even when we're making our prayer request or, or the thoughts that we have in our life or, or the cares and concerns or how we think God ought to handle these kind of things. But God said, I want you to bring them to me anyway. Bring them to me just how you think about them. Now, I want you to have that kind of trust in your relationship with God that you literally can speak your mind to him. Now, you may not want to try that on everybody. <laughs> but there's a Heavenly Father who knows you better than you know yourself. And, and one of the ways that we get trained in this area is, is listening to the Psalms, praying through the Psalms, hearing the Psalms. You hear David? He talks about all kinds of stuff in the Psalms, doesn't he? I mean, he talks about how if it's bad, David says it's real bad. If he doesn't like the way people are prospering because they've been underhanded and, and evil and wicked, David will say, how come the wicked keep going on and on and I'm having a hard time here? You know, he talks about that kind of stuff. And even when he gets mad about his enemies, I mean, David says things like, God, I wish you'd just break their teeth. You know, that don't sound like something you ought to pray in church, really, you know, <laughs> but that's in our Holy Scriptures. And it's not that God condones that, it's that God wants that stuff that's in your heart to be in his ear. He wants you to say it, no matter how bad it is, no matter even if it's wrong, he wants you to talk to him about it. You got it? You got that? So the Lord is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He feels that. He feels what you feel. Hmm. So our instruction or our medicine so far here in Philippians 4 is to be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. Say it with me. Anxious for nothing, pray about everything. Okay, now say this to yourself. Say it to yourself. Be anxious for nothing and pray about everything. Talk to yourself now. It may be the only good conversation you get today. All right? <laughs> it's some good medicine. Now, he, he says something in the middle of this prayer or this, this instruction about prayer. He says to do this with thanksgiving. Okay? So be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, why does Paul put this phrase with thanksgiving? I want you to listen real closely here because we're going to build something right here. With thanksgiving, all these needs in my life, all this anxiety, all these cares, all this worry that's piling up on top of me, you want me in the middle of all this and all of my supplicating or being serious and specific about my prayer and my needs, you want me to be thankful in the middle of it. What in the world is he talking about? Here's just a couple thoughts and I'll let you go. Number one, I, I got the idea here that God wants us to cultivate a heart of gratitude even in the midst of our need. There's something about gratitude that's just absolutely important. There's something about a grateful heart. I mean, again, go back to the parenting analogy. You know when a kid 
is grateful and the kid just wants more and more and more and more. You know that idea, right? No matter whether they're three or 33, you know that kind of idea. Now, which one do you prefer? I mean, you'll give them the shirt off your back probably regardless if you're, if you're a parent and you love them. But which heart do you prefer? And which heart would you respond to even more readily? Certainly the heart of gratitude, wouldn't you? Even, even being grateful. See, now in our culture, we're programmed to not be, to not be content with anything we've got. We're programmed to, to not see the things that we have. But there's this little thing, which, which I majored in, in college, and have done several things in business concerning marketing. Marketing is the idea, it's the art of making you want what you don't even know you need. That's, that's what marketing does, and our, our whole economy is built upon this idea of marketing. So there's all kinds of stuff coming at you on a consistent, consistent, consistent basis on everything from social media to billboards to TV commercials to everything, and it's made to make you not just think about what you have, but it's made to make you think about what you need. Maybe even what you want. So we're programmed not to, to think about our blessings. We're programmed to think about our needs. And God says, as you come to me with all of your needs, I want you to come, come, please bring them to me. But I want you to come with a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude. Now that, that seems a little strange sometimes, I think, because I'm coming because I need something. But I'm supposed to come in a humble attitude of gratitude. That's important. It's real important. God wants us to cultivate a heart of gratitude even in the midst of our need. Amen? Second thing I think about this idea of with thanksgiving, God wants us to be reminded of his faithfulness in the past in order to build our faith for the present and for the future. So that's one, one way I get faith in my personal life. I, I think about the testimonies. The, the stories that I have with God. I've got a history with God. You got a history with him? I've got a history where I, I remember very specific things, and, and a lot of it I could take you straight to the place. It was that graphic and that, that important in my mind, and it just etched itself in my memory banks. I could take you back to specific places and, and altars and churches and, and places out in, in woods and on back porches and things like that where I could, say, I could tell you specifically. Some places I pulled off the side of the road. The Lord just did certain things in my life, and I can tell you. I can take you to a place on December 23rd, 2015, where a tornado came, and he was right there with me with the tornado in my truck. <laughs> I've got a history with him. And I'll tell you the story about D23. That's a whole big, long, another story. But I've got a history with him. And see, that history is in my memory. And that memory helps create faith. And that's why Jesus said, I want you to remember me. And now we do that specifically when we take the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, what we call communion. We remember Him. But we don't just remember the great grand story, which we do remember that. That's extremely important. But I remember His story with me. And I remember it. I remember. The idea of remember. The idea of dismember means to do what? To pull apart. So if, if dismembering is pulling apart, remembering is putting it all back together again. And every believer needs what I call a faith bank. Because you've got to go make withdrawals on that bank from time to time. 
when you get struggles and difficulties and, and more anxieties and cares come your way, you need to go back and remember. And this is where this with Thanksgiving, you go back and you remember that he did this. And if he did this and he did this and he did this and he said this and he showed me this and he came to me in this, then I know he'll take care of that. That becomes this idea of with Thanksgiving. We begin to remember. All right. Here's another idea of the with Thanksgiving. Giving thanks in the scripture teaches us that it sanctifies the situation to God. Okay, so there's another word, sanctify. What's that? Paul teaches us about this over the issue of eating food offered to idols, which if you haven't read the, the New Testament letters, that was a really big issue in, in Bible days. Whether or not you should eat the food that was given to the, you know, Athena at the temple or Zeus at the temple, that kind of thing. Paul teaches us in 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5, he says this, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, what does all that mean? Giving thanks sanctifies the situation to God. What does all that mean? When you give thanks and you pray, according to that passage in 1 Timothy 4, it sanctifies the food. Again, what does that mean? It, it means that that food that may have been offered to a false god now is sanctified by your giving of thanks and your prayer, and that food now belongs to God. And it's set aside for God's purpose, which mainly would be the carrying of your body. So you're saying that when you pray with thanksgiving, you're saying that this food belongs to God. It belongs to you, God. It didn't, it didn't, I don't care where it came from. I don't care where it initiated. It belongs to you now. That's why we pray. Okay? So literally, listen to, to this now. It turns something that was unholy into something that's holy, which is where the word sanctify kind of comes from. So how does this principle apply to our troubles? Now listen to me real carefully. How does this apply to my troubles? It puts your situation in God's hands for his purpose and his use. Thanksgiving and prayer sanctifies your troubles and your cares to God. Now, what does that mean? It means that when you give thanks in a situation. Now, I can't always give thanks for a situation. I mean, if somebody in my life gets cancer, I don't give thanks for cancer. That's, that's not good. I give thanks to God who can take a situation that's as bad as something like that and turn it around for good. That's who I think. I'm not thanking for situations, although he's so good at making things right and turning things around that it seems sometimes that, that, that something like a, a sickness can, can be a blessing because it helps turn things around because God's just that good. But I learned to give thanks that God, even though the situation is bad, God is good and he's going to do something with that bad. And I give him thanks even in advance. You see what I'm talking about? And it can take something with thanksgiving. Now, again, by your prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So when I'm thankful to God in a situation that I'm in, it literally can take a situation that is meant for evil and turn it around and sanctify it or make it holy for God. It can take a situation that was an assignment against my life and turn it around so now it's something that works on my behalf. Ask our friend Joseph about that.
Now, I want to make sure you get this because this is super duper important in your prayer life. Listen, are you, are you tracking with me? It's okay. I mean, I'm, we're here to help and explain. Are you tracking with me? With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let God. So basically, when you give thanks in the situation that you're in, you sanctified unto God. You're literally saying, okay, now if this, this pulpit is sanctified for the purpose of preaching, and this, this is, it's considered a holy piece of furniture. It's for this purpose. We're not going to take it outside and set something on it while you fix your car. You know, we're not going to do that. Why? It's set aside for a different kind of purpose. When I take my cares and set aside those cares for God and his purposes, it takes something that is unholy and turns it around and makes it holy. With thanksgiving. You got it. It literally is saying to God, this has been bothering me a while, Lord. I don't know what to do with it. This and this may have a name. It may be a name of a trouble. It may be a name of a sickness. It may be a name of a person. This belongs to you now. Every parent knows you have to do that with your children. Lily belongs to you now. I give you thanks for her. She belongs to you. Hannah belongs to you. We give thanks for her and your work in her life. She belongs to you. You see what I'm talking about? Now, I, I don't know what that care looks like in your hands, but imagine what it can look like in God's hands. See, that's what prayer is about. It's about doing the transfer from your hands to his hands, from unholy to holy. By everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So ne next time now, next time, and, and, and take your list to God. Take it, take it to God. Next time with your list, hit the brakes. Stop for a second with Thanksgiving. You got it? And we're such a needy people. I mean, we need a lot. I mean, we, we do. We need, we need provision for every day. We need wisdom for our decisions. We need protection in our lives. And Jesus teaches us to pray about those kind of things. But they teach us also to pray with a thankful heart. So be specific. Put the brakes on with Thanksgiving. And, and the Holy Spirit will prompt your mind. You'll find something to be thankful for, I promise you. All right. The fourth thing about with thanksgiving, praying with thanksgiving is praying in faith, isn't it? It's praying in faith. And there's something about praying in faith that God likes. God responds to the prayer of faith. He likes that. He likes it so much in, in people like Abraham's life. And he said, Abraham, you just simply believe me. I know you're an old man and, and you're just supposed to be believing me for a son. And there's absolutely no way circumstantially that this can happen between you and Sarah. There's no way possible. But you believe that I can do it, even though you can't. And it says about Abraham that God liked that. And he counted it. He said, you, you, you got the right idea. I count you righteous. <laughs> Praying in faith. Because... Praying with thanksgiving is praying and thanking God for the answer before it comes because you know he's good for it. And the promise. See, that was all our part. To be anxious for nothing, pray with thanksgiving. That's, that's our part. Verse 7 talks about God's part. It talks about the promise. You know, with every miracle, there, there is that part in it. There's your part. There's our part, and then there's God's part. Every miracle has that in it, doesn't it? Here's the promise. 
the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Do you mean to tell me that you're telling me in this passage, Paul, Pastor, you're teaching me in this passage that my chaos can be traded for peace. That's what he's talking about. Now, it's not just any peace. Because there is a peace that the world offers and it says, peace, peace, but there'll be none, the scripture says. And it's a deceptive thing that men are trying to work out. But he doesn't talk about that kind of peace. What does he call that peace? He says the peace of, how, how peaceful do you think God is? I mean, you think he's walking around the throne, wringing his hands, saying, man, I wonder what they're going to do with that, that situation over in the Middle East. I wonder what they're going to do with that finances and that problem and that struggle. You think God's up? Every time we see God in the scriptures, he's, he's doing what? He's, he's usually seated on his throne. He's just chilling. He's, he's okay. He, he's fine. And the same peace. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, the peace that I have... I give to you. And that's when he told them to receive the Holy Spirit. The peace of God is a real promise. And that's a real good trade. Your madness for his peace. <laughs> the peace of God, which passes or surpasses all understanding. I, I just call that crazy peace. It's crazy peace because there ain't really no reason for me to have peace. It still ain't quite worked out all the way. And I don't have all the details. And I don't know all the situations that's going to happen in the future. But I'm okay. See, that's a crazy peace. That's where God wants us to live in this peace that surpasses your understanding. Which our understanding is pretty small when it comes to the scope of things, isn't it? But that's all we've got to go on. But God said, I will impart to you an understanding and a peace that goes past what's humanly natural. And people look at you in a situation you're going through that may be similar to something they're going through. And they'll, they'll say, well, well, how are you so peaceful? And that's one of the marks of a kingdom person is they can be at peace in a storm. That may take me a minute to get there, but we're going to get there. We're going to get on that pathway to peace. And he says it can surpass understanding. Human, it, it just doesn't make sense, you know, why you should be at peace. How I many know God don't always make sense? Not in our world anyway. <laughs> and I promise you, if God's always making sense in your world, you're in the wrong, you got the wrong God. Because <laughs> he don't always make sense to us. But he can give us something until we catch up, surpass our understanding. And it says this kind of peace will guard, it literally will keep, will build a hedge around your heart and your mind. So that's what we're talking about, peace of mind peace of mind that this peace literally will protect you it'll protect you from going off the deep end it'll protect you from losing your mind it'll protect you from going crazy it'll protect you from being irrational and and and, and doing things that, that just really going to complicate the situation guard your hearts and minds that's what peace does it'll protect you so that's a wonderful promise isn't it but it is conditional do remember that it is a conditional promise you've got to learn to be anxious for nothing Pray about everything. In fact, let's say it like this. It's the pathway to peace of mind. See it right there? Anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Thankful in all things. Can you say it with me? Anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Thankful in all things. That's just a summation of that first verse right there. Verse 4, 6. 
Philippians 4, 6. Our part. So what was God's part? Remember? What was God's part? The peace that's going to keep your mind where it needs to be. Amen? And, and we are a nation today that is in great need of mental health. Now, see, when I was growing up, that was kind of a bad term. You didn't say those kind of things because it was, it was kind of derogatory. But now we're starting to learn more about the mind and, and, and how it functions and the brain and all that kind of stuff. And the brain and mind are not always the same thing. But they do work together. And this whole idea, we're, we're a nation of people who are in great need. In fact, if you turn the TV on for very long, you will get disturbance on your peace. I promise you. Because there's a lot going on, a lot in circulation. We're a nation in need of mental health. Paul spoke to us in Philippians 4. Just right out of the idea and understanding of who Jesus is. You shouldn't, as a kingdom person, as a follower of Jesus, you should not have anything to worry about. But we do. So what do you do? Okay, I calm my heart down. I'm not going to be anxious about this. And sometimes the more you talk like that, the more anxious you get. You know what I'm talking about? So then what I do? We pray. We talk to God about it. Get him involved and become more aware of him and his world than you are your, you and your world. Add Thanksgiving into it. Now, it's not like a formula, like a recipe, but I do think of, I think of this like a prescription. Go to that next passage right there. We're going to read this in closing. It's, it's, to me, this, this kind of comes across as like a prescription. Okay? We want peace. We, that's the outcome we want. We want peace in our lives. We want peace in our families. We want peace in our cities and our communities. How do you get there? He gives you a prescription. That's, it's not like A, B, C equals D. It's not like that. But this is a pathway that if you walk it, you'll find peace on that path. You got it? So in closing, can we read it? I know I've had you responding to me, but I, you know, I, you're a little sleepy. You got that tryptophan working in your system from all that turkey you ate this week, right? <laughs> you got to keep you alert. Can we read this in closing? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Lord, help us. Let's pray. But we need your help here. We, we struggle. You know we struggle. That's the reason you came, to help us. We, we need you to speak to us, Lord. I pray you'd calm anxious hearts. A lot of folks dealing with a lot of things. Some of it's circumstantial. Some of it's physical things that's causing their bodies to fire off in the wrong ways. We ask for your healing grace. Jesus, you said you came to heal the brokenhearted. And so many times we think about that brokenhearted thing about those that are sad. And that, that is part of it. But Lord, our hearts are broken in many ways. Our, our minds don't work right. They don't work the way that you intended. They're not walking in perfect peace. Help us, Lord. Heal our hearts. Heal our hearts. Heal our minds. Renew our minds. Lord, I pray you'd help us to experience your love and your grace and your mercy in such a way that we'd be a people that, that walk in a, in a level of peace, Lord, that would just absolutely be attractive to all those around us. Help us, Lord. Calm our troubled hearts. Calm our racing minds. Help us. We need you to help us, Lord. Help us. Guard us and keep us, Lord.
Give us that crazy peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.